Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. In October of 2018, I was cleaning the family minivan, and I have three boys. You saw one of them get baptized. I have three boys. And this was a few years ago, so they were even younger than they are right now. And parents, you, you know your car, right? Um, when you have all your kids in there and you drive through Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or wherever, and you know how like you know nasty it gets. So this was not a small task. And I am a cleaner, okay? That's, that's my personality. When, when it's time to clean, man, I'm going to clean. And, and, I, and I don't just like clean a little bit, like I clean all the way. That's just my wiring. And so here I am out in the driveway on a beautiful fall day, and I'm cleaning the minivan, and I'm finding remnants of uh, fast food meals and stray french fries, obviously. Uh, there's goldfish dust in every crevice and corner. Parents, you know, you know the pain that I'm talking about. A few gummy bears or gummy worms might be stuck to the carpet somewhere. Maybe some old Reese's Pieces or, a, or, or an M&M that just kind of rolled down into that little thing where your seat clicks in, right? It just makes you crazy. Yeah, so I had all that stuff. I had root beer residue. And of course, you know, all the windows have been touched everywhere, right? And, and it's, it's a Honda minivan. And so I'm contorting into weird ways to get to the back seat and, and to get to the little triangular windows in the back. And I'm, I'm trying to clean the windows and get all the stuff out. And, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all up in this minivan. And all of a sudden... I start getting this pain in my chest. And I've seen the movies, right, where someone's having a heart attack and they say, it feels like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. And I just have this pressure building in my chest and it's almost like that. Like, and I'm thinking, you know, it'll go away, right? It's gonna go away. So I stand there for a few moments. It doesn't go away. And I'm starting to get like, a, like maybe this is serious feeling. So I walk inside, I'm like, Casey, I, uh, I've got a bad chest pain. Of course, she knows I'm a little bit dramatic sometimes. I don't know if you have a, a dramatic person in your family. It's like, I'm dying right now, right? You know? And so I, I can be a little bit dramatic. And so she's like, you know, are you sure you're okay? And she can, t you know, after a few minutes of, of kind of asking, she can tell, like, I think it's serious. And so we get I, maybe in the minivan that I was cleaning, I, I don't remember, and we, and we drive to the hospital, we have a friend come over and watch the boys for us. And when I was young, I learned that please is the magic word. I don't know if y'all learned that when you're young, please, right? Kids, please is the magic word. If you want something, start with please. And, and it's not a guaranteed yes, but start with please. Uh, but when you go in the hospital, chest pain is the magic word. Y'all know that? 
You walk in the door and you say chest pain and they're like, yes, sir. And they're just like getting you right back. There's no wait time. There's no insurance card. There's no nothing. It's just like, boom, I'm back there. And I, I go back to the back room and they're, they're checking me in. They're giving me the little thing on my wrist. And they start running uh, all the little tests, like vital signs and everything. And they get me into a room and they do the whole workup, you know, the eco the EKG and like a sonogram of my heart and, and blood tests and all this stuff. And finally, after a few hours, they say, it looks like everything's fine, right? There's no sign of a heart attack. And I'm like, praise God. Thank, I'm, I'm thankful for that. At this point in time, we were uh, just finishing a full house remodel that we lived through. And we'd ripped walls out. We had, you know, we had dust flying everywhere, sheetrock holes in the wall. Um, we're, we're sleeping on air mattresses in the, in the dirt, uh, we had, uh, we were leaving the, the comfort and security of an existing church to follow God into church planting to plant this church. And I'm going through a training program uh, with the Houston Church Point Network to be trained. I'm serving as a worship pastor at my old church. I'm serving as an elder at my old church. Um, I'm a husband and a dad, and I'm a fundraiser, and I'm a church planter. And I think at that time, we were trying to raise a, like more money than I'd ever raised before to plant a church standing in front of pastors that stare at you with their, you know, with their eyes, and, and you're saying, I have a great mission and a great vision. We're going to go plant this church. And they're like, next, right? That's how you feel on the inside. It's so intimidating. I had a few things going on. And she says, are you stressed about anything? No, not me, right? Are you stressed about anything. What I was experiencing is anxiety. Have you ever felt anxiety before where you just feel anxious, right? You just feel like overwhelmed. Like just, it's, it's like this thing that seizes you and you don't even know how to stop it. I was, I was battling anxiety. Today, we're going to be continuing our series on the gospel tool. And what this tool is, is uh, not a checklist to, you know, the perfect Christian life. It's not what this is about. This is not works-based Christianity. I believe that you are the ones that God is calling to be used in the world. God wants to use you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your home, with your kids. He wants to use you. And the, the scripture says that God's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry. And so we want to create a tool that's just a tool, something to help you in your walk with God. And it's an acronym, and it, and it simply means this. The G means grow in the truth. The O means obey what you learn. S, what we talked about last week, is serving others. The P stands for pray about everything. That's what we're talking about today. E, evangelize the lost. L, love one another. This is a summary of the basic activities that God has called his believers to do. This is just how we live out of the new heart that God gives us in the new covenant through faith in Jesus. So today, we're gonna talk about pray about everything. And I just want to just say that this has been an incredibly time on planet, incredibly difficult time on planet earth. 
And some of you, maybe a lot of you, are dealing with really, really, really difficult things on top of a global pandemic. And it's not unusual, you're not weird, if you felt a bit overwhelmed, a bit anxious, a bit kind of under the pile. And so I want to speak to you today, people who have been through what I've been through with anxiety. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn with me there in your scriptures, we're going to read a famous verse. And it's probably the verse that came into your mind as I was talking about anxiety, okay? This is a a famous, wow, my note just keeps on going. Famous uh, passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 4. And if you want to um, read along with me, verses 4 through 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul, he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. He's giving them kind of some closing remarks. This is the end of the letter, and it feels a bit like a shotgun splatter, right? Of just like, hey, you know, rejoice and, and, and pray and, and don't be anxious. It's like all this little stuff, but I just want to take a moment and just kind of draw the connection of what Paul's saying in the passage. And the, the first thing that he says is to rejoice in the Lord always. Now, when I was younger, there was a song that we would sing. Maybe you guys remember the song. It's rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice. Y'all know that song? Anybody know that song, right? Now, that verse, when you first read it and you're thinking about people that are anxious, the last thing that you want to hear when you're anxious is rejoice in the Lord always, right? Right? Yeah? It can feel, let's be honest, a little annoying when someone says that to you. Um, Let's just say you have an incredibly trying day, a hard day. Maybe moms, you stayed home with your kids all day and it was rough. And your husband strolls in and he's smiling and whistling, right? And you say, Take these children before I kill them. I'm going to leave right now, and I may not come back till tomorrow, right? Moms, y'all, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? And your husband says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Moms, what do you do at that moment? Bam, right? You're going to slap him because you're like, what? Like, I'm trying to tell you I've had a hard day, and I don't want to hear rejoice in the Lord always. Right? You're, um, you're, you're um, hurt. You're, you're bothered. It feels out of step with the circumstances. Right? You, you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, and you tell your family and friends, you know, it's, it's really bad. And they're like, well, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, okay. My dog just died. Rejoice always, brother. 
It feels trite, right? It feels trite to say rejoice in the Lord always. And I think it's easy for us to misunderstand what Paul's pointing to here. It's not uh, pretending like everything's okay. Rejoice. What Paul's pointing to, the word rejoice, is a deep contentment that comes from the Lord. And it's available to you at all times. A deep contentment that comes from the Lord, that's available to you all times, and this is the thing about it, is it's not, uh, it's not subject to circumstantial change. Does that make sense? This rejoicing is not about pretending to be happy when everything is rough. It's saying, you know what, this is really, really hard today, but there's this anchor of contentment down in my soul, and I can still say in the midst of the hardest, hardest things, rejoice, right? It is well with my soul in the midst of hardship. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, a deep contentment. Verse five, he says, let your graciousness be known to everyone. Your Bible may translate that word as gentleness or reasonableness, right? It, it may say moderation or patience. And Paul uses that word graciousness or gentleness in another place, the, the original Greek word in 1 Timothy 3.3. 3, and he's, he's in a list of qualifications for an elder, an overseer of a church. And one of the things he says in there is that they should not be an excessive drinker, not a bully, but here's our word, gentle. Not quarrelsome, not greedy. So these help us understand what graciousness and reasonableness aren't. It's, it's not being an excessive drinker, not a bully, not quarrelsome, not greedy, right? And he's urging people to be moderate, to be approachable, to be gracious, to be gentle, and to look out for the good of others. To look out for the good of others. That's the key. So deep contentment, looking out for the good of others. And then he follows with this, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Can I have one person come up? I, I need a volunteer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to speak on a microphone. I just need someone to help me demonstrate this. Is there anybody who's willing to come up and join me? Anyone? Oh, we've got one right here. Come on, give it up for him. Awesome. Thanks so much. Okay, so you, you come over here, and, uh, and I just want you to come stand like up on this step, like right here. Okay, if you just stand right there, and then I'm going to stand right here. Do you, would you say he's near to me? He's near, right? I mean, compared to the person in the back corner over here, he's near, right? But the, the Greek word that Paul uses for near has, uh, the root word is about squeeze, to squeeze something. And that's why some versions will translate that word as at hand, Okay, so now, at this point, if, if I were to say, is he near to me right now, right? And he's so near that if something happens, right, I'm like, he's at hand. I, I'm, I can squeeze him, right? Okay, thank you. Let's give it up for him. Thank you for helping me do that. The Lord is near. 
close enough to squeeze. He's at hand. There's two reasons why I believe that Paul gives this um, this word. The first is he's reminding them that the, the imminent return of Jesus is going to happen. Jesus is returning. He's the judge. He's the righteous judge. Live your life worthy of him because guess what? He's coming back. He's coming soon. And that's what Paul's telling them. Look, the Lord is at hand. He's, he's close. He's close. And I know that may sound kind of hellfire and brimstone to our modern ears, but this is a biblical doctrine that we absolutely need to recover as the church of Jesus to know the Lord will return. The Lord is at hand. We're to live our lives worthy of him. He will split the sky and he will show up and we'll be like, I wasn't ready. The Lord is at hand. But the second reason is that he wants them to know He's at hand. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling anxious, he's close enough to squeeze. He's at hand. The Lord is near. In the light of the, the P and the pray about everything in the gospel tool that we're talking about today, I just want you to know that the Lord is at hand. He's near to you. Don't be anxious about anything. This week I was listening to a podcast from a, an author. He's a pastor. His name is Steve Cuss. Unfortunate last name for a pastor, Pastor Cuss. Um, maybe he gets away with more bad words in his sermons. I don't know because it's, like it's, it's Pastor Cuss. So. Uh, but he wrote a book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, and he released it right before the pandemic hit. Talk about timing. I mean, providential, sovereign timing. He releases a book on anxiety, and then he has no idea what's going to happen to the stats about anxiety. Do you know that uh, statistically, one-third of all adults will experience acute anxiety at some point in their life? Meaning a third of you have either already dealt with it or you will deal with it. That was before the global pandemic. Now guess what the pandemic has done to all the stats about depression, anxiety, mental health, all that. It's made them worse, right? Anxiety is at a pandemic level. He had no idea that this book was going to be so uh, important at this moment. And so he's been studying anxiety. He's learning how it manifests in a person and how it presents itself and uh, what causes it and how it affects the person, how it affects a group of people. And in the interview with the, the, you know, the guy who writes about anxiety, he's confessing. He said, you know, I've been really anxious for the last few weeks. He said, I've been in a project that required endless work, endless work. And, and what happened is in the middle of the work, I forgot that God was with me. I was so busy. I was so busy doing good things. Like he was writing a book and, and, and doing all kinds of ministry and stuff, right? All good things. But he said, I was so busy that I forgot that God was with me in the work. He was with me in the work. And he makes a statement that mirrors what Paul says in the verse that anxiety is the effect of forgetting that God is at hand. 
that the Lord is near. You see, anxiety tends to make us feel like we're all alone. Like that when we reach, there's no one there and everything's dependent on us. And we feel like Atlas, the, the Greek you know, mythology, the, the man who's holding the world up on his shoulders. You feel the, the weight of the world on you as you feel like there's no one here to help me. I'm all alone. And Paul says, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And here's the first thing that I want you to understand today is that awareness of God's presence with you dispels anxiety. Awareness of God's presence with you dispels anxiety because what happens is the space inside your soul where you're supposed, you're meant to be aware of God's presence with you is the very space that anxiety wars to fill. And that's, that space, it's like this constant battle of remembering that he's with you at all times. And as soon as you forget, right, it's like anxiety just comes right back into that space and then there's this tug of war going on inside of you. Awareness of God's presence with you dispels anxiety. They're like oil and water. To breathe in the one, you must exhale the other and vice versa. And Paul says, look, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry about anything, and I think breathing is the perfect illustration because if we're honest, we have a moment-by-moment -moment battle to remember that God's presence is with us and to exhale anxiety. Matthew's gospel ends with these words. Remember, remember, I'm with you. What's that next word? Do you know? I'm with you only on Sundays. That's what he said. When you're at Renaissance Church, the Lord's near. But on Monday, sorry, you're on your own. No, that's not what Jesus said. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Disciples, go, go, go make disciples to the ends of the earth. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get hard. There's going to be some stuff that you're going to experience. Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. How wonderful it is that the Spirit of God inspires Matthew to write these words as the last words of Jesus in his gospel that we just kind of hang on to. He's with me always. Awareness of his presence dispels anxiety. Now let's look at verse six and seven. This is where I wanna kind of focus us today. Paul writes, don't worry about anything but in what? In everything? Not, not just some things, right? right but, but don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul's contrasting worry or anxiety, your translation may say, don't be anxious for anything. You know, worry and anxiety with prayer. That's what he's doing. It's like this trade. Don't worry, don't be anxious, pray. Pray about everything. And let me just ask a question. Do you know how to worry? You, you know, right? Some of you are worried right now. 
You're like, when is this sermon going to end? I need to, I need to eat lunch. I'm a little worried. <laughs> you know how to worry, right? We, we all know how to worry. Guess what? If you know how to worry, you know how to pray. If you know how to worry, you know how to pray. <laughs> because when you worry, you're fixated on your problems, right? You, you just... Play that tape over and over again. I'm just fixated on my problem. I'm just worried about this. I'm so anxious right now, but just thinking about my problems, right? And prayer is just the opposite. Prayer is to fixate on God and to bring all your problems to him. So it's, it's not that we're like pretending like we don't have problems. It's like, no, no, I'm just going to fixate on the Lord. And Lord, here's one by one. Here's my problem. Here's the stuff that's on my mind. Here's, here's what's on my heart, God. It's to pray. It's to trade, to, to bring our, our anxieties and our worries to him and to say, Lord, please, please help me. I, I need you to be near right now. So the second thing I, I don't want you to miss is that prayer is fixating on God and bringing all of your concerns to him. It's fixating on God and bringing all of your concerns to him. Paul reminds us the Lord is at hand and is so important when we pray. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Pray about everything because the Lord is at hand. He's right there, right in that reach when you need him. The passage also uses the word petition or supplication, which refers to the list, the requests, the, the things that you're concerned about. And we all have a list. We all have stuff that fills our hearts and minds. We have concerns. There's things we lack. There's decisions we need to make. There's wisdom that we don't have, but we need it right now. We have friends and family members in need. We have sickness. We have struggles. We have sins. We have people around us that are turning away from the Lord or, or we ourselves are struggling to follow God. We have a list. And Paul says, pray your list with thanksgiving. Which means this. Praying your list and whining and complaining are not the same thing, right? He wants to guard us from complaint or whining, but to rather just to trust with thanksgiving. Father, I'm just bringing my list before you. I know you care for me. I, I know you know what's going on, but Lord, I bring my list to you. And Lord, I just thank you that you're, you're with me. And you're you're going to work somehow in all this stuff. And in verse 7, the promise. So important. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I just want to ask another question. If you know how to worry, have you ever been able to worry yourself into peace? Anyone ever succeeded in that? You've worried your way all the way to peace? It's like you finally, like, I worried enough that I feel okay now. Not possible. Right? Worry and anxiety have never brought me peace. <laughs> Rather, they put me in a hospital bed when I was trying to clean the minivan. Okay? We weren't designed to live anxious, worried, and stressed out lives. You're not made for it. It's why your body revolts against you when you live in constant stress and worry and anxiety. You weren't designed for this. But rather, you were designed to be a vessel of God's peace. Your heavenly Father created you. He made us, and he made us with a specific design. And one of, part of that design is that you're meant to be filled with the peace 
of God. And that's the promise that Paul gives us, right? And he says, there's a peace for you, and it surpasses your understanding, which also means that you can't reason your way into the peace of God. And let's be honest, most of our anxieties aren't reasonable. Husbands, when your wife's worried, what do you do? You reason with her. Well, that's probably not going to happen, darling, right? It's, it's most likely, I mean, there's a small possibility, but you know, most likely that'll never ever happen. And you, you want to reason with them or someone, maybe you're worried and, and, and someone tell, you tell them your worries and they're like, that's silly. That'll never happen. Don't worry about that, right? They're reasoning with you. And Paul says, no, there's a peace that actually surpasses understanding. Like you can't reason your way into this peace. It's beyond reasoning. It's beyond our understanding, we can't worry our way into peace. We can't worry our way, or we cannot reason our way into God's peace. It's the third thing that I want you to understand. We will never worry or reason our way into God's peace. It only comes by prayer. Spurgeon once said, what is God's peace? The unruffled serenity of the infinitely happy God. The eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented God. I like this quote because he describes the peace of God as what naturally flows out of the person of God, and you might call it the air of heaven. Right? It's just the, it just fills the air of heaven, the peace of God. And when we exhale anxiety and we breathe in the near presence of the Holy Spirit, we can turn our worries into prayers. And what fills our souls is the air of heaven, the peace of God, the unruffled serenity of the infinitely happy God, the eternal composure of the absolutely well-contented God. Paul says, this peace will guard your hearts and minds. That's a military word, to guard, right? Paul, Paul knows a few things about guards. Paul's probably chained to a guard while he's writing this letter in a Roman jail. He knows about guarding. <laughs> it means to be protected, to prevent hostile invasion, to guard, to prevent a hostile invasion. When you're anxious, does it feel like a hostile invasion? When you're just overwhelmed by worries? He says, this peace will guard you. It will protect you. Don't you want the peace that protects? I do. I know I do. So, what's on your list? What concerns you right now? Is there some anxious feeling within you? Is there a, a concern on your heart? I just want you to know you'll never worry your way into peace. You'll never reason your way into peace. We must pray our way into peace. And let me just close with this. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, there's a type of peace that you've never, ever, ever experienced before. 
It doesn't come through yoga. It doesn't come through exercising five times a week. It doesn't come from unlimited free time or leisure. It doesn't come from more money. It doesn't come from more people liking you or somebody loving you. There's a peace of God that only comes from God. And because it comes from God, it only comes through the person, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. And you'll never taste it. You'll never experience the peace of God apart from knowing God through Jesus, through faith in him. And so today, if you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, I just, I just want to urge you with everything in me that maybe today's the day for you to say, I believe in Jesus. I trust him. I need him. I need someone close. I need someone at hand because life is too hard and I need a savior. He died for you to take away all of your sins, all the stuff that you've done that's, that has offended him. He died to pay for that for you. He's risen from the dead three days later, proving that he's the son of God, the Messiah, and that he will return. And so I want to encourage you today to give your heart to Jesus and to experience the peace that only he can bring. Followers of Jesus, those of you that do believe in him, here's what I want you to know. Don't forget the Lord is at hand. Don't forget the Lord is near. When you are stressed, when you're anxious, in the middle of the hardship, I want you to know that word is to squeeze. He's right there for you. He's at hand. He's with you Always remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. May the awareness of God's presence with you dispel anxiety. May you exhale the anxious thoughts and feelings before him in prayer. And may you inhale the peace, the presence of the Most High God, a peace that surpasses understanding Fixate on him, bringing all your concerns to him. Bring your list. Pray about everything. And may his peace guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.